In today's episode of Discovering Wholeness, we'll discuss burnout and spiritual care. So we'll look at how spiritual care providers often get consumed with burnout. We'll discover some of the signs and symptoms as we discuss, as well as look at how to heal through burnout. Season one of Discovering Wholeness is sponsored by the Hayden Institute. The Hayden Institute is a haven for seekers. Those who have heard the call or felt the tug to go deeper in their understanding of God, themselves, and others. Their programs, accessible online or in person, are well-suited for clergy, therapists, healthcare professionals, social workers, and anyone with an interest in spirituality or dream work. Lectures, small groups, and creative embodiment practices with the Hayden Institute will help you tap the rich wisdom within. Get more information at haydeninstitute.com. H-A-D-E-N, haydeninstitute.com. Welcome to Discovering Wholeness, a podcast for any human practicing being, for healing trauma and unearthing self. I'm Kendra Frazier. I'm Jillian Drader. And I'm Kendall Rothis. We are your hosts, and we invite you to join us as we peel back the layers of trauma and discover our innate wholeness. Trauma has been a significant part of many of our journeys, whether those traumas are with a big T or with a little T. We gather each week to discuss trauma, spirituality, and staying grounded as we heal ourselves and walk alongside those who are healing. We're so glad you've joined us. You can participate in the larger conversation with us on Instagram and Facebook at Discovering Wholeness Podcast. We recognize that the things we discuss on this podcast, while really important, can also be really sensitive and tender. And so we invite you each week to join us in a grounding exercise at the beginning, middle, and ending of each episode. Grounding can help us work with our big feelings rather than getting totally swept away in them. So today, I invite you to join me in a simple breath prayer. You can either close your eyes or maybe gaze out a window, whichever works best for you. And as you do so, just becoming present to your breath noticing as it comes in and then out of your body and as you exhale i invite you to imagine something that you need to release or let go of and as you exhale you can imagine that leaving your body maybe it's stress tension maybe it's anxiety or fear just allowing it to leave you on the exhale And then as you inhale, imagining what it is you most need to receive today. Maybe it's love, maybe it's peace, maybe it's courage. So just continuing that breath pattern for a few more breaths, exhaling out that which you need to release, let go of, letting it leave your body. And then inhaling, receiving that which you need to receive. Exhaling Letting go, inhaling, receiving, exhaling, letting go, 
Inhaling. Receiving. And then as you conclude this breath prayer, maybe just giving a gentle stretch in your neck, tilting your head to one side, and then tilting to the other side for a stretch on the other side of your neck, taking any other stretch or movement that feels good to your body. I'm Kendra Frazier, and today's facilitator for our episode, Burnout in Spiritual Care. I'm joined by Kendall Rothis and Jillian Drader, and I am always excited to speak with both of you. In um, thinking about today's episode, it is no surprise for me that we all can speak about burnout from engaging in spiritual care. In an article titled Burnout in Social Justice and Human Rights Activists, Symptoms, Causes, and Implications, the researchers describe burnout as the initial fire of enthusiasm, dedication, and commitment to the cause of being burned out, leaving behind the smoldering embers of exhaustion, cynicism, and ineffectiveness, end quote. Additionally, they offer in this article that burnout results in people once highly committed to a movement or cause or organization growing mentally exhausted and consequently losing the idealism and spirit that once drove them to work for social change. So Jillian and Kendall, as I've been preparing for this episode, I couldn't help but to consider that each of us have worked in larger religious institutions and now are entrepreneurs working for ourselves. I believe each of us came to work for ourselves for a myriad of reasons. I definitely experienced burnout in my role with the former institution I served in and didn't recognize it as burnout. So I'm wondering how each of you have experienced burnout and to what degree and if at all, do you experience it in working for yourselves? And I also want to know how burnout shows up for both of you. Wow, Kendra, that's such a great, that's such a great question. And there's so much in there. I think we could probably take the whole episode talking about just that question. Um, definitely, I can say yes, 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 yes to probably all those questions that you you asked. And um, being aware of the, I think for me, what comes to mind is the difference between burnout that I experienced within an institution and the burnout that I experienced as an entrepreneur is, is the difference between having power, a sense of power or not. And um, yeah, in an institutional setting, part of the burnout, a big part of the burnout was the frustration and overwhelm of the sense of powerlessness within the, the institution itself and the attempts or efforts to make change or to bring about, um, yeah, just different, different ways of being within that organization just weren't being received and weren't heard and weren't followed through on. And the burnout, I would say, I experience um, in my in entrepreneurial world is different. Um, we can talk a little bit more about that, but I'm wondering, Kendall, if uh, what relates to you in terms of the spiritual part of that institutional burnout, if that re- if that resonates for you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I really identi- identify with what you were saying, Jillian, about 
the burnout inside of an institution having a lot to do with powerlessness. Um, it's sort of that feeling of hitting your head against a wall and not being able to make progress. Um, and that quote you shared, Kendra, something about like the, the smoldering embers of exhaustion, cynicism and ineffectiveness. Oh, that really resonates with me as well. Um, and I, yeah, I think, you know, the, the kind of burnout I have to guard against in working for myself is more about like just feeling the constant pressure of, oh my goodness, this all depends on me, <laughs> you know, like um, and having to figure out things that I have no training in, you know, how to run a business and, um, you know, figure out taxes and, you know, just, just stuff that I um, am having to constantly learn, but it's just very different than the burnout I experienced as part of an institution where, um, you feel like you have to answer to someone for how you're spending your time. You have to justify um, your the time you spend on self-care. Um, and I don't, yeah, I don't have to justify myself to anyone um, in this entrepreneur, entrepreneurial setting. And I, that I, I really like. <laughs> um, and I think in terms of how does burnout show up for me, um, I think often it can show up as um, isolation. I think the more burned out I feel, the more personally I tend to retreat, um, whether that's like, like literally physically not going out and seeing people as much or retreating sort of emotionally as in I'm around people, but I'm not sharing vulnerably about what's really going on. I think that's another form of isolation for me. Um, feeling sort of paralyzed, like I don't know how to move forward or what to do, Get it, feeling really tired a lot of the time, um, beginning to feel unmotivated or procrastinating or feeling like kind of angry and irritable, like people are just getting mm -hmm. on my nerves. Mm -hmm. you know? I relate um, to that one big time. Short fuse. Yeah, so I think, you know, those are probably, those are probably the, mm -hmm. the primary symptoms, um, for me, I would say. Yeah, I would, mm -hmm. I would agree. I think for me, definitely, I, I'm aware of a lot of physical symptoms that happen for me when I'm in burnout or headed that direction. Um, so a lot of fatigue, a lot of aches and pains, headaches, mm -hmm. you know, things that I might think, oh, I've just done too much of something, but when it becomes consistent and kind of ongoing, it's like, oh, or my sleep will get really disrupted is another sign for me where I'm sort of overthinking things in the middle of the night or, um, and I, I think the challenge for me in, in my own business, and it's interesting, as I was thinking about this, the different issues that come up, whether in an institutional setting, it was in my unresolved areas would have been things around authority would have been things around systems, you know, the, the places that I felt powerless and, and frustrated in my entrepreneurial world, it's having to face some of my unresolved issues around my family of origin, um, scarcity mentality, like sort of striving and um, the fear of not having enough. And so maybe overworking so that the finances are, 
you know, because we're it. And so there's different kinds of anxieties around even financial stability and security when you're your own boss or your own person. Um, mm-hmm. Cause it is like you said, Kendall, it's all on me. And, and so just the, the, yeah, the pressure of that mm-hmm. and the endless possibilities and how it can go in 14 different directions. And some of that's personality. I tend to be quite a visionary. So I, I will see if, for a, a million different ways that we can do things, but then I try to do them all, and then I <laughs> yes. and then I wonder why I'm exactly oh exhausted. Yeah, we like, might oh. be the same person. <laughs> yeah, maybe we're separated, all separated at birth. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of a double-edged sword in the sense of there's a freedom, but there's an added weight. What both of you said really resonates with me. I think for for what you brought up, Jillian, in terms of um, this insecurity that we feel financially with having to produce for ourselves um, is is tied to a level of security that we we have when working for an institution. I'm reminded by so many um, additional entrepreneurial women in my life who are older, who have been running their businesses for a while, that there still exists a false sense of of security in larger institutions. I mean, there are people that still get laid off. There are people that still get furloughed. Um, So this concept that we're secure in a workplace is an illusion is what they remind me of. Uh, and to really ground myself in honoring that my institution will experience the same kind of fluctuation um, at times. And it's okay. I think for me, I try to rest in the fact that I have the power, since we were speaking about power early, to really be intentional about the way that I balance seeing clients seeing spiritual directees, um, doing different workshops, um, which is really, really important. I've been, I've had to be mindful of when to say no and recognizing that just because I may have this attachment to not seeing as much as I want in my bank account, that that does not need to influence that I take something that I don't necessarily want to do just because it's going to pay me. You know, that that is something that I've had to be really intentional about. And for you, Kendall, you mentioned one of the signs for you is isolating yourself. Um, And it makes me think about um, my time working at Grady Hospital in Atlanta, which is a level one trauma center and being around so much death and dying. I mean, it was nothing for us if you were on call to experience eight to nine deaths in one night. And having to go with families to make pronouncements or having to go with families to be present with them and pray with them if they they had just lost a child was exhausting. And I found myself hiding out in this secluded library that some of my colleagues told me about that I had no idea existed a year in. And I felt like I went there to be in hiding. And I'm wondering, um, because we talked about this earlier, Jillian, if you can talk to the differences between um, compassion fatigue, burnout, and vicarious trauma. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Kendra. Yeah, it's it's such an, again, important conversation because uh, I think the word burnout has become sort of at some level a bit cliche. It's a word that we use all the time. Um, people hear it a lot. And, and the reason I think it's important to differentiate this is that we could sometimes then dismiss 
signs, symptoms that are maybe beyond what we might consider sort of burnout in the general sense. You know, burnout tends to be a lot around uh, physical exhaustion and tired. I'm feeling emotionally exhausted. Yeah. Um, but there's a there's a capacity with burnout to refuel, to regenerate, to do the things that we know bring us health and life and and have a break and then come back to sort of our our baseline. But when we're into compassion fatigue, one of the biggest differences is that our worldview um, can change. The the way that that we think about the world, especially with vicarious trauma, compassion fatigue and vicarious trauma are very closely linked. Um, And so one of the big pieces with compassion fatigue is that we're not able to regenerate. It's just like we're so depleted that we can't refuel. And then that can sort of move into becoming then traumatized by what we're being exposed to if we're not able to catch it early, recognize what's happening, you know, maybe at the burnout stage, I almost think about it on a continuum, it might start as burnout, and then we don't pay attention to that. So then that capacity to refuel, we're into compassion fatigue, we just haven't got anything to give anymore, and we can't fill back Mm -hmm. up. And with vicarious trauma, that's then when we're really into the world as we knew it has changed. And that may not necessarily be able to come back to any kind of baseline. Our core values, our beliefs are, you know, in therapy, we talk about shattered assumptions, the way that we thought the world was, or even who we thought God was, mm-hmm. um, is been really eroded. And, um, and then we're into, you know, we've talked a lot about trauma symptoms in some of the other episodes, but it's important to recognize that really a key piece is if you're finding that you just can't refuel, you can't replenish, you're, you're becoming very cynical, the world just seems like a dark, hard, awful place. Chances are, you we're probably further along the, the continuum from burnout, moving more into more secondary trauma, which typically takes a lot more intentional work and healing. Hmm. Man, Jillian, I'm so glad that you distinguished between those that was really helpful for me and what what popped into my head maybe because of that embers quote was like a campfire and how Mm. there's like the stage where the fire appears to have gone out but you can kind of blow on it coax it stir it Mm -hmm. and it'll come back to life but then there's the stage when the fire is like out you know like you would Mm -hmm. have to totally restart a fire and um, That's a great analogy. Yeah, and is. just, you know, having awareness in your own self, like, okay, do I just need to pause, blow on my embers, stir them a little mm-hmm. bit? Or do I like, do I need a whole entire, uh-huh. you know, reset? Yeah. Do I even have breath on a stick mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. Feel, right. to get yeah. the embers yeah. going? Or is there no breath left and the stick is on the fire? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love this analogy of, of the fire. Yeah, and so good. yeah it, it, it is really good because um, we're, I feel like now we're speaking about some of the things that we can do to stimulate and energize ourselves when we are experiencing burnout. But before I move to that question on what people can do to um, minimize um, leaning into burnout or, or moving that way, I want to talk about my experience, particularly in the Christian context, um, around this concept of atonement, which is this idea that Jesus died for the sins of humanity, sacrificing himself so others could thrive, 
Um, so I feel like that plays out specifically for those of us who serve and offer spiritual care in Christian context. And for yes. me, um, the traditional view of atonement decenters the communal nature of service and the balance mm-hmm. of personal and communal sacrifice, because I don't believe that it is one person that participates in salvific work, but it is a communal effort. Um, But I feel like many spiritual care providers can get into this savior complex and intentionally not be attentive to what's happening within their bodies and to their bodies. So I'm wondering, Jillian, if you could talk about what you believe the consequences are um, of burnout and spiritual leadership? Yeah, I think the danger is not only our, our own well-being as spiritual leaders being um, put to the side, ignored, um, and eventually possibly leading to illness, all breakdowns of relationships, but there's also something about the fallout for our spiritual communities um, that if we're not uh, taking care of ourselves, we're not paying attention, we're not doing our work. And that's my broken record statement um, that I will completely own. But we are then passing all of that onto our directees, our congregants. Um, we're maybe even filtering without being aware of it, the messages that we're delivering about who God is or how we can experience Jesus in our life or what it means to, to live in that space because we're so cynical or we've become really overwhelmed. And so then we're just projecting all of that onto the people around us. Um, And it definitely has shown up. I've seen it in many, many contexts where because of the lack of, either awareness or willingness, it can be one and or both to, to recognize unresolved emotional pieces in ourselves. That's just fueling the fire, so to speak, again, for burnout, compassion, fatigue, vicarious trauma, because we're, we're compromised already. So we're more at risk if we, you know, if we're just shoving all those things aside and stepping into this, this grandiose savior complex role. Um, I'm just going to sacrifice myself for the people, but really you're not potentially doing good work or being integrous or having, you know, sort of that sense of, yeah, willingness to, to be authentic. I thank you for extending the invitation for those that are listening who are spiritual care providers to have integrity around their own healing because you matter. Please take care of yourself. I invite you to join me in a simple breath prayer. You can either close your eyes or maybe gaze out a window, whichever works best for you. And as you do so, just becoming present to your breath noticing as it comes in and then out of your body. And as you exhale, I invite you to imagine something that you need to release or let go of. And as you exhale, you can imagine that leaving your body. Maybe it's stress, tension, maybe it's anxiety or fear. Just allowing it to leave you on the exhale. 
And then as you inhale, imagining what it is you most need to receive today. Maybe it's love, maybe it's peace, maybe it's courage. So just continuing that breath pattern for a few more breaths, exhaling out that which you need to release, let go of letting it leave your body, and then inhaling, receiving that which you need to receive. Exhaling, letting go. Inhaling, receiving. Exhaling, letting go. Inhaling, receiving. And then as you conclude this breath prayer, maybe just giving a gentle stretch in your neck, tilting your head to one side, and then tilting to the other side for a stretch on the other side of your neck, taking any other stretch or movement that feels good to your body. My name is Kendra Frazier. I'm a light worker, holy disruptor, healer, fire starter, seed planter, and most importantly, a person that loves to journey with people as they become, as they become more healed and more whole. I wear multiple hats from therapist, preacher, motivational speaker, spiritual director, and simply a companion on the journey. If you are in need of mental health or spiritual care support, you can find me at Kind Consulting, that's K-Y-N-D, consulting.com. I can also be reached via email at kindconsulting at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back to today's episode of Discovering Wholeness. I'm Kendra Frazier, today's facilitator, joined by Jillian Drader and Kendall Rothis. I'm thinking about as we have this conversation, the, 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 the spiritual communities that may be under-resourced. And so you have these spiritual leaders, whether they be pastors or rabbis um, or imams or priestesses who are overworked and are, and are wearing two, three, four hats, um, which is overwhelming in and of itself. And the work has to get done is what our minds tell us. So I'm wondering, particularly with you, Kendall, having been a pastor in the church, do you feel like your spiritual uh, community offer you space to be able to name that you were burned out? And if you did name that you were burned out, was there any type of backlash for it? Yeah. um, Well, first of all, when you were mentioning the the few different hats that we end up wearing, I was thinking... (laughs) You mean like wearing 40 hats? I mean, that's <laughs> that's what ministry often feels like to me. Um, and you know, what came up for me was one time in my ministry, I had some friends who helped me realize just how burnt out I was. And they were like, you need to take leave. And I had, I had just been through some really difficult things in my personal life. And I was, was really grieving. Um the church was a bit of a dysfunctional mess and I was constantly getting beat up for failing to meet everyone's expectations. And I was just really, really worn down. 
Um, I think if it hadn't been for friends telling me, like observing it and, and, and kind of stepping up and saying, hey, we think you need to take a step back. I'm not sure that I would have come to that conclusion on my own, you know, kind of partly because of what you were describing, Kendra, that mindset that we just have to keep sacrificing, sacrificing. Um, so anyway, I, I, I took their advice and I met with my therapist. He agreed I needed the break. He helped me write a letter to the church requesting um, some time off for my own emotional and mental well-being, which is the first time I'd ever done you know, something like that. And then while I was on leave, instead of wondering how, you know, they might support me or why I had reached the point of burnout, the church deacons started having these like secret meetings about um, a sermon I had preached that they didn't like and, you know, discussing how to take disciplinary or censorship action about the sermon. So it was at that point that I realized I like I had to leave the congregation altogether because it was just not ever going to become a healthy work environment where I could thrive. Um, so I suppose that's not the most encouraging story about being honest regarding burnout. Um, but that's certainly, um, certainly one of the biggest ones for me. I, I did, you know, I did recently talk to the board of a nonprofit that I help run about some of my burnout and what I need. And I felt like they heard me and that was really positive. Um, you know, I think my tendency is to just quietly and silently like overwork and take on more than my fair share of the responsibility for things. And I'm slowly learning how to say what my limits are and what I need in return. And, and, and when I think back to that congregational story that I just shared, you know, I wish I had learned how to do that earlier on rather than, you know, having to come up to this point where I just needed um, such a really long leave, um, which ended up um, that I left altogether. But mm-hmm. yeah, I wish I had mm-hmm. learned to start naming needs earlier. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad that you shared your story. Thank you for sharing it because it is an experience that I think so many women, I will say specifically Mm -hmm. experience in ministry who are willing to be courageous enough and honest about their experiences. And I'm thinking of when I was serving in a church and a lot of my colleagues would come and talk to me about how overwhelmed they were. I mean, to the point of tears Mm. because of the workload and didn't feel comfortable enough, I guess, to share with the senior leadership. Mm. But me as a, as a, 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 a business person and as someone who isn't interested in side conversations, I'm not going to continue to sit by while my colleagues are suffering because the system is fucking broken Mm -hmm. like what what do we need to do to fix the system and so when I created a document along with my team to support them us in fixing the system because no one person is to blame Mm -hmm. it's an institutional system I was reprimanded for Mm -hmm. it and given the silent treatment because of it And it really became clear for me in terms of ways to avoid burnout when you are offering spiritual care is to not have a hierarchical model of leadership. 
there needs to be some type of circular model of leadership where the the power is um, is one of equity and equality where no one person is making the decision. I feel like the model of having like a singer pastor or one spiritual leader is old and tired. Yeah. That's how I, that's how I feel if I'm honest about it. And I don't feel that I feel that's why so many pastors particularly experience burnout. I feel like that's why there there are increasing rates of suicidal ideation and completion in ministry um, and depression. I feel like six I feel like I read a study that 67% of pastors experience depression, mm-hmm. which is extremely high. Mm-hmm. You know, Kendra, I am just struck too when you're when you're sharing that story about how important understanding the system is, because I think sometimes when you hear conversations about burnout, it, it comes out sounding like it's all about personal responsibility. Like I just need to take responsible mm-hmm. responsibility for my self-care practices. And if I'm feeling burnt out, it's all on me. But you know, sometimes it is the system. Um and, yeah. and so I think being able to acknowledge that, that yes, there are things we can do to mm-hmm. take care of ourselves and um, practices that we need to do as individuals. And sometimes we're fighting this huge systemic thing. Maybe it's inside the institution that we're mm-hmm. serving, or maybe it's the, you know, the bigger systemic problems of, of racism or sexism or homophobia, um, and that those things burn you out and wear you down and you can't just fix them with a power nap or 10 minutes of meditation, you know, like they're going to continue to be there. And so not, um, not putting all the blame on ourselves when we do feel burnout or compassion fatigue, as if it's just a matter of, we didn't take care of ourselves well enough. Like, no, there are some real systems at play that, that keep people down. I totally agree. And I, I was feeling the same thing as you Kendall, as I was hearing Kendra speak. Um, And I think it also points to the importance of what your story was Kendall about the friends that you had Um, that you had people in your life who were on the outside, so to speak, kind of looking in and could see what was happening for you that you couldn't see for yourself, but that also you had the courage to step away from that community and recognize that that wasn't a good space for you, but not because there's anything about you that wasn't healthy, good, you know, what other words we might put as a sort of a self-judgment, but that you had the courage to, to draw a line in the sand, so to speak, and say, enough, I'm not going to continue to expose myself to this unhealthy system. And I love what you're saying here. It's so important to look at the big picture and know it isn't all about me. And that's another way that people will be completely gaslighted by the system. It's like, well, you just need to go and take care of yourself and do some work. And, and there's maybe pieces of that that are true, but it isn't the whole story. And in an unhealthy system, you know, when we look at what that can, how that can manifest itself, those are the kinds of words and the kind of language that'll be used. It's just blaming and shaming and which is another indicator. It's maybe time to revisit if that's a good place to be. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I totally agree. As we are are having this conversation, I'm just thinking about dreaming together. And I want to invite you all to dream with me. If you could create a spiritual institution today 
that you had all the supports you need. I mean, dream big. Any resources that you needed, you have access to. I'm wondering how you each would shape your spiritual community to support spiritual care practitioners in avoiding burnout. What would that look like for you all? I know for me, one thing that I would definitely institute, I feel like, is having having a 30-day sabbatical at least once a year. Yes. Uh At least once a year. Yes, yes. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I work with a lot of clergy, and it's interesting to observe because a lot of churches now have like a sabbatical policy where every five Mm. or seven years, you know, pastors get a sabbatical. Well, then what about the pastors who stayed at their church for five, you know, right at right before the sabbatical, then they went to another one. And so some of these pastors are, they've been working for 15, 16, 17 years and never reaching their sabbatical because it's been at different congregations, you know? Um, anyway, yes, I completely agree with the, with the sabbatical piece. Um, oh man, there's so much I would do if I could create my own, <laughs> you know, my own space. But some of the things that come to mind for me is, um, I mean, financial help for ther- for your own therapy, your own spiritual care. Um, also adequate, not just adequate, but generous family leave, um, maternity leave. Um, you know, I, when I was a foster parent, it was like, well, there's a maternity leave policy, but that's the expectation that, you know, someone's only going to have birth a baby once in a year. And it's like, why, when I, so when I got my second child in the same year, I'd already used up my maternity leave. Mm. Um, So I was like, you know, here I was with a three week old baby, but I was required to go back to work and daycares don't even take babies who are three weeks old, you know? And so it's like, it wasn't assisted, you know, I think flexible policies that are um, aware of the multiple needs of various kinds of family dynamics. Um, I saw a job opening the other day that like provided um, um, flexible time off for women when they're on their periods. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, where has that been my whole life? Yeah. <laughs> um, but just, you know, being generous around people's actual needs. That's so good. I, one of the things that's coming to my mind as well, um, and it's something I've just recently experienced with a, a spiritual team that I'm a part of here in where I live, is actually developing a keen understanding of each other's personality styles what are each of our needs so that the community begins to sort of move together with a different level of understanding um, in terms of energy levels. And, you know, even something as simple is as whether a person's more extroverted or introverted, like, you know, when you're structuring meetings or you're structuring plans for the year in a, in a community, how much space are you allowing for those things? And, and then just this fostering of compassionate witnessing in community. How do we practice not trying to fix, not trying to give advice, which, you know, is often where people will go well-intentioned most of the time. I won't say all of the time, but um, how do we learn to be a compassionate witness to each other and really hold that space? And I'm often surprised at how um, unable people are just because they've never had it themselves or they don't really know what that is. 
uh, but just to be able to, to hear and listen uh, on a regular basis, like this just becomes a practice within a community that we do this together and we make time for it and we value it as much as we do other things that are needing to get done. Um, but also I really want to come back to what you were saying, Kendra, around the model of leadership being not hierarchical, being very inclusive, being very, um, equi- you know, lots of equanimity, lots of agency, lots of equality, um, because that in and of itself as a model makes space that I would ideally love to see happen. One of the things that you said struck me about um, just the inability for people to sit and process because they want to fix it. I think that that um, heightens the propensity for burnout when we're able to sit and just be still and allow whatever needs to transpire for a person to simply transpire because people have to get their own lessons. I think that that is the challenge with some spiritual leaders. When we see a person's house metaphorically burning down, we feel like we have to rush in to go and save them when we, and we end up getting burned up. Um, going back to this analogy of being in the fire, right? Um, so I think that it's, it's really important for spiritual care providers to understand that nothing has to be fixed. Nothing has to be fixed because we all are in process of becoming. And in the process of becoming, there, there are avenues that we must traverse that require us to experience a bit of pain, sometimes a bit of suffering even because I feel like our pain points lead to some of the most uh, power that I've been able to access is because I've been able to lean into that pain and sit in process. And I feel like there's anything that I have to do, even though it can be very challenging at times. What's coming to my mind as I hear you say that Kendra as well is, is the importance as, you know, spiritual leaders, spiritual caregivers, Um, the word worth just has been coming up for me throughout this whole conversation, you know, back to we were talking about finances and business and, but in the same token as what you're saying now, if, if I define my worth in how much I give, how much I serve, how much I sacrifice that somehow that's, that's tied up in my self-worth that I'm going to burn out because I will just continue to give, 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 because that's how I'm defining myself and won't see the need or validate the need to take time to take care of myself, to take care of those around me in a way that's healthy and not a fixing way. But worthiness feels really tied in a lot to this, you know, around the, even the savior complex you talked about early on, um, how am I defining my worth? And is that it coming from a really deeply rooted, balanced, grounded place? Or am I trying to repair unresolved things or, you know, any number of other themes that could go along with that, but recognizing that that can be a real driving force. Yeah. And I think understanding your worth also helps you to know what your work to do really is, right? Like, I think so many times I end up burned out because I'm doing work that really isn't mine to do. And I think that that what drives that at the core is is trying to trying to be worthy, you know, but through what I accomplish versus, um, you know, what 
when I'm working out of a place of, of that kind of groundedness you're talking about, Jillian, in my worth, then um, I don't have as much of a tendency to, to overwork or to jump in arenas that aren't really mine to, to do. I think that that is a great um, point to end on is worthiness. I love um, thinking about worthy practices that I participate in um, to support myself and recognizing that I deserve um, to take care of myself. I deserve that for myself. So I'm, I'm wondering, as I think about worthy practices, what you all would consider practices that contribute to your awareness of your own worth. For me, when I take showers, um, I have began this habit over the past um, couple of months um, on a consistent basis and in a way that I haven't before is to speak into the water. I am a woman of wealth and means. I am a woman of productivity. I am a woman of abundance and I am a woman of discipline. Those are my mantra statements to really make it clear to myself mm. that I'm worthy. Yeah. Mm. That's beautiful. I'm going to take that. Yeah. I'm doing that in the shower next time, Kendra. Thank you. <laughs> Thank You're you, awesome. Jillian. Take it. I want to come do some coaching sessions with you. You're <laughs> I had the exact same thought earlier. Right? I'm I like, like, I need to go do some work with I you. I need Kendra to be my yeah. business coach or something. Yeah. Um, you know, I think for me, because this has been a core issue in my life, taking time to... to make, eat, shop for nutritious food and taking care of that. I've tended to be, I'll eat on the fly. I'll grab something here, grab something there. So nutritional practices for me really are about worth that I'm worth the time it takes. I'm worth the investment of, you know, taking whatever it is that I need to do out of my daily routine to prepare good food. Um, and it might seem like a really fundamental thing, but that has become a meditation practice at times for me, preparing nutritious food. Um, and also just setting aside time. Time is something that I haven't given myself often. So in giving myself time for perhaps a half day retreat or even going for my own spiritual direction or therapy, you know, taking that time out is speaking to my worth. Um, and those are harder things for me to do than, than maybe daily, you know, I get out for my walks, although that's been a discipline to develop. Um, but yeah, taking the time away from my schedule for things that nurture my soul and take care of my physical well-being um, are really important practices that are speaking to my worth. Yeah. I think for me, Julian, one of those things is my walks, like taking walks. It's like, and for me, it's like, you know, it's not about how many steps am I getting in or how far did I go? Or, you know, sometimes I walk fast and sometimes I walk slow and sometimes I stop walking altogether and just sit down and listen to the leaves blowing through the wind. You know, like it's just, it's a, it's a not about productivity. Um, and I think that's something that really helps me return to my worth because it's not, not walking in order to accomplish. I'm walking in order to listen to myself, to the sounds of nature, I'm walking in order to appreciate the beauty of the trees, 
you know, it just, it kind of helps me sink back into that sense of worthiness. Um, and the other thing I've been practicing lately, um, which is a little less concrete maybe, but I, I, or less physical is, um, just naming what I need first to myself. A lot of times I don't even let myself know what I need, you know, naming what I need. And then, and then if there's someone I need to name that need to, um, having the courage to do that. So that's something I've been practicing that has been transformative for me. I'm an Enneagram five for you Enneagram people. And, you know, we try to not have any needs, which is actually not very human. So, so you know, naming those needs and being okay with having them is, um, an important practice for me right now. Thank you both. Thank you both. Well, you all heard it from the brilliant Kendall Rothis and Jillian Drader on what worthy practices look like. I would invite you all that are listening to do some of the practices that have been highlighted and really invite yourself to actually be a human being as opposed to a human doing all the time. I hope that you have gleaned some opportunities to to check in with yourself about how you are or may be experiencing burnout and possibly some of the things that you need to do to see yourself worthy of taking care of you. We're so grateful that you joined us and we look forward to seeing you for the next episode of Discovering Wholeness. So with all that we've talked about today and and all that may have come up as we close this episode and in this moment, we invite you to place your right hand over your heart to remind yourself and to say out loud, I am whole. I'm Kendra Frazier. I'm Jillian Drader. And I'm Kendall Raffis. We are discovering wholeness, healing trauma, unearthing self. Join us in conversation at Discovering Wholeness Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Also at Discovering Wholeness Podcast, you can reach out to each of the hosts and also find out more about our practices. Discovering Wholeness is produced in partnership with Good Faith Media. Learn more at goodfaithmedia.org. If you are in crisis and need help in the United States, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. In Canada, call the Center for Suicide Prevention at 1-833-456-4566. That's one 1- You can also use the crisis text line from either country by texting the word HOME to 741-741. That's HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741-741 to access a crisis counselor 24 hours a day, seven days a week.